Oh, hey, I'm so glad that you found us. My name's Michael, and I get to be the pastor at Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church in Lakeland, Florida. You're listening to the It's Better When You're Here podcast, where every week we upload the messages that are preached at our church every Sunday. We hope by listening to this, uh, you feel safe, heard, and loved by the God that created you. We hope this message makes an impact in your life. If listening to this makes a difference, reach out to us and connect with us either on social media or on our website, shepherdsumc.com. All right, here's the message. This morning, we're continuing our series all centered around Advent, what it means to come, expecting Christ to show up. It's a season of surprises. Choosing joy is never easy, always worth it, and is one of the ways this world will be made right. Man, Advent really is a season of surprises, isn't it? I have distinct memories as a kid turning the corner and seeing the Christmas tree all lit up and seeing the gifts under the tree. My parents were great at Christmas. They did a good job. I distinctly remember one Christmas I got an iPod just like I demanded of my parents. I was not a sweet kid. I don't know what happened. I hope I'm sweeter now than I was, um, but I sure was not nice. But my parents listened as and obeyed and got me an iPod. It was a great, great, great Christmas. But it's a season of surprises. It's begun those ads that you see on TV, right, friends, where someone opens up a tiny little box and they find a key to a Lexus inside, and then they walk out and see an enormous monthly payment waiting in their driveway with a bow on it. I always think, I I feel like any normal situation that turns into the most nuclear fight of all time. You got us a brand new car and didn't tell me? What are you doing? But it's a season of surprises. The whole story of Christmas is a surprise. The fact that God came down and, and dwelt among us But it's also a chance for us to reflect on the ideas of hope, peace, love, and joy. All of these ideas get repeated every single year in Advent because I don't know about you, but I need more and more reminders of those ideas, peace, hope, love, and joy. And that's why we have these four candles on the Advent wreath. We go through these ideas every single year because, I don't know about you friends, but I got a hard time remembering things, especially when it leads me back to God. And it is a preparation that requires us to remember the why of Jesus. Maybe you've seen bumper stickers around town, I'm sure you have, that says that Jesus is the reason for the season. Keep Christ in Christmas, all of those things. So important, so wonderful, of course. The only reason we get to have Christmas is because of Jesus. But friends, also we need to remember why Jesus came in the first place. And it's so that we could have peace, hope, love, and joy. The thing I'm going to say a lot today, and the thing I hope gets stuck in your head today, is this. Joy is so much more than a feeling. It is an unconquerable outlook on life. Joy is so much more than a feeling. It is an unconquerable outlook on life. We're going to read our passage from Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. If you have a Bible, you can open it to that passage. If you don't have a Bible, but you do have one of these amazing rectangles in your pocket, you can pull that out and just Google it and follow along. It'll also be on the screen as well. Hear the word of the Lord. 
Mary said, with all my heart, I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God, my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored because the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors him as God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He's come to the aid of the servant Israel, remembering his mercy, just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham, to Abraham's descendants forever. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Woo! This passage is something called the Magnificat. It's Mary's song. It's how Mary responds when she finds out that she's going to become pregnant, that she's going to carry Jesus Christ into the world. For us, in our perspective, if we were to meet Mary in our common context today, we would not find a woman in her, you know, mid-30s with a blue shawl looking like this and all serene and happy like we see Mary in common culture. Instead, what we would meet, if we look at the Greek, is someone known as a teenager. She was a teenager engaged to be married, which was the norm of the time. And the angel of the Lord comes to her and says, hey, great news, you're pregnant. And Mary doesn't respond as any teenager would, I'm sure. A teenager today would not say, my soul magnifies the Lord. I think a teenager today would say, you've got the wrong house, dude. Keep going. I know my neighbor. You mean her, not me, right? But instead, she sees and has joy. Something else important to know about Mary. Mary, Mary was not living in a time when she had any sort of civic or social freedom. The people of Palestine, as the Romans called it in that time, did not have any freedom. They were under occupation of the Roman government. There were these trivial little laws that a Roman soldier could make a a Palestinian take their pack and carry it for a mile. So imagine you're late for work, you're trying to get to the office, and some police officer stops you and says, hey, carry my stuff for a mile. You had to do that or you faced consequences. There was no government that she could be a part of. Being a young woman, she wasn't invited anyways, but because she was a young Jewish woman, she especially was not invited. And so imagine, if you will, a teenager, a teenager under occupation, a teenager under threat of constant violence. An angel comes to her and says, good news, you're carrying the God of the universe. And what does she say? She says, how blessed and highly favored I am. What a strange, strange response, friends. But you see, Mary has joy because she cannot let go of the hope God gave her people. See, Mary was a faithful Jewish person. She would have gone to temple. She would have gone to uh, school and heard all of the older people, the elders of her community, the older women sing songs and tell tales about how God was going to come through for the people of Israel. And because of her joy, Mary could not let go 
of this hope. You see, it had been thousands of years since the people of Israel had lived under their own leadership, had lived in freedom, that the people of Israel had not been taken from their land and put somewhere else over and over and over again. And yet joy is why Mary was able to hold on to those stories because joy is so much more than a feeling. It is an unconquerable outlook on life. When we have joy, it protects our ability to believe in why we follow Christ. When we have joy, it protects our ability to keep believing that God is at work in our world and in our lives. You see, joy requires an ability to see God at work around us. Like I said this morning, this place kind of looked like a brand new carpet had been laid down and, and a series of explosions had gone off around it, right? It was a mess. It was all torn up, all sorts of na- nasty. And people just kept showing up. People kept coming. People started running wires. They started testing lights. They started putting chairs out. They put out too many chairs. I told them to stack up chairs and put them away. They didn't kill me. That was a miracle in, in and of itself, right? And if I was just a man who didn't see God's work around me, I would think, well, you know, I'm sure they did that just because everyone needs a hobby, right? Can't have idle hands. You need to be occupied, right? But instead, because it's Advent and because of Jesus's work within me, I'm able to see that work as the Holy Spirit at work. See, the work of Advent then has to be seeing the Holy Spirit. As Christians, we believe that the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity, which is the way that we understand God. We believe that the Holy Spirit is just as much God as the God of the universe and Jesus Christ. We also believe that the Holy Spirit lives within each of us. And so why wouldn't I then, if I believe that God's very presence rests in my life and in the lives of my friends here at Shepherd's, Why wouldn't I then think that miraculous things would happen? Why then would I ever doubt that miraculous and powerful and selfless things would happen week in and week out? Joy is so much more than a feeling. It is an unconquerable outlook on life. I got some bad news, friends. I don't know how to break it to you, but Christians are not known for our joy. We are not often known as the happiest people around, right? We're not known for our bright smiles and our friendly words. In fact, we've got a bit of a PR issue, a public relations issue, in that Christians have become more and more known for what we aren't. And boy, can I tell you, no one wants to be a part of that. You know, who wants to be a part of a group of people that are known for what they are not? I don't. Instead, I want to be known for what I am. Friends, what would it look like if this church, if this community, if United Methodists as a whole could be known as those joyful people? Those people that are kind of, they're a little different because they find joy in every opportunity. You see, we must have discipline enough to be known for what we are for. You see, Mary doesn't have joy because of her circumstances. She doesn't have joy because of what the angel has told her. No, Mary has joy because what the angel told her requires joy. Her circumstances require joy. The joy is because it's what her circumstances call for. 
because of the life that she finds herself in, she needs to have joy or she's not going to make it. What if Christians started to develop the sort of joy that made it possible for us to fulfill the call that God has placed in our lives? Joy is so much more than a feeling. It is an unconquerable outlook on life. I have a confession to make. I've spent most of my life thinking that I can control the world around me. I don't know if you've done this as well. I think I can control the way people feel. I think I can control the way my circumstances turn out for me. I think I can control the news. I think I can control how other people feel, and it has only ever failed, friends. Whenever I think I can control anything outside of this body, this heart, this mind, I find myself frustrated and failing. And then on the flip side, it kind of comes along with it. I have again and again convinced myself that how I react to the world is completely out of my control. Again and again, I, can, I find myself when I get frustrated, angry, sad, lonely, depressed, angry, I think, oh, anyone would feel that way. I can't stop myself from feeling that way. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one. I'm just being vulnerable here. I'll just continue to retreat back until I'm underneath the altar. But I think maybe some of you have felt the same way. Because friends, we know that it's the other way around. We can't control the world around us. We can't control the way other people feel or act towards us. But what we can control, and it's hard for me to believe, is how I react to the world around us. We must choose to see our response as the only way that we can control our world. Friends, let me tell you, if an angel came to me, especially, and told me that I was carrying the God of the universe into the world, I'd have so many questions. But one of the things that I would do would be to beg and plead and bargain that blessing out of my life as fast as possible, right? I wouldn't want to be the stepdad or the the carrier of the God of the universe into my life. I'd want to find a way to get that into someone else's life. And yet, And yet Mary knew she couldn't change the world around her, but she could change her response. You see that joy is so much more than a feeling. It is an unconquerable outlook on life. See, friends, when we choose joy, we refuse helplessness. When we choose joy, we refuse to have the feeling of helplessness. I've told you before that when I'm preaching, I'm preaching mostly to myself. Y'all are just, myself, but y'all are just here. This is a thing that sticks with me. Because sometimes I want to hold on to helplessness so badly. I know it sounds strange. I think if I can hold on to helplessness, then, then, then my response, the way that I feel, the way the world happens around me, I, I, I then can become something that things happen to and not something that happens to the things around me. But when we choose joy, we refuse helplessness. I always try and give you an action every Sunday, something that you can write down, take with you, have stuck in your head, but I'm going to have you work on a dream this morning. And so while I'm continuing to talk, I want you to be thinking about a dream that you have. Just keep it in the back of your head. Joy allowed Mary to see this surprise that she was carrying God into the world in a cosmic way. You see, because of the joy that Mary had in her heart, the joy that Mary chose, the joy that she carried, 
she was able to hear the God of the universe tell her that she was going to carry God's presence into the world and for her to not think about the next nine months of her life and then the next 18 years after that. Instead, Mary saw herself as a part of the grand narrative of creation. What teenager, friends? What teenager could ever hear something happening about their life and see it involving other people? Do you remember being a teenager when the gravity of all creation began to kind of center around you and planets began to orbit you? Some of us haven't lost that. And we find ourselves thinking, oh, this is happening to me and me alone. Mary, when she's being told that the only one carrying God's presence into the world was her, Instead, she saw that the world around her was being changed. You see, that joy she chose, it made it impossible for her to feel helplessness. You see, joy is so much more than a feeling. It is an unconquerable outlook on life. So why joy? Why does joy get a whole candle and the pink candle at that? Well, because the world wants to steal your joy, friends. I don't know if you know this. But the world around us, our circumstances want to take that joy from you so badly. The world around us, the circumstances you find yourself in, want to steal that joy from you. And because if it steals your joy, it's going to take your ability to hope and rob you of your peace. If you've been here, if you sweated with us outside last week, you know that we talked about hope. And the week before that, we dreamt about peace. But if the joy gets stolen, these other two can't happen, right? We can't feel hope in our hearts if we don't have joy. And we can't begin to believe that peace is ever possible if joy doesn't give us that engine. And so to that end, I told you to be thinking about a dream of yours. Your action today is to write out a dream, a dream that you've carried in your heart, a dream that's been around, a dream that you feel within you. And I want you to write it in your bulletin in the present tense. So if you dream of one day getting a job that is fulfilling and empowering, or you dream one day of having a great relationship with your grandkids or your children, you dream one day of of being this or being that or accomplishing this or accomplishing that, I want you to write it down in your bulletin in the present tense. So instead of saying, I hope to have a good relationship with my grandkids, saying, I have a great relationship with my grandkids. If you're dreaming of getting a master's degree, I want you to write down, I have a master's degree. Friends, it's not, we're not doing this because of hopeful thinking. We're not doing this because we want to somehow name and claim something out in the world. Instead, I want us to begin to work that joy muscle. You ever seen someone with a permafrown? Someone that's just, they can't help it. They just kind of look like one of those Muppets, the, the guys that were up in the, in the balcony, right? I think that's because if you practice long enough, it'll stick. My mom always said, don't make that face. It'll get stuck like that. I think there might be some truth in that. Although I sat real close to the TV and I, my eyes are, are okay as he wears glasses. Anyways, wow. Was she right about other things? Anyways, I wonder sometimes, friends, if we can't feel joy, if we can't practice joy, because we haven't used that muscle. I get down on the ground to fold presents once a year, maybe twice a year. And as I get up, I think, 
I don't sit on the ground very much, do I? Those muscles that help me get down, they don't help me get back up. It's the same with joy, friends. So when you write out that dream, it's not so you can marvel at how far away you are from it. When you write out that dream, I want you to feel those muscles working as you practice that joy. Because friends, joy is so much more than a feeling. It is an unconquerable outlook on life. Let's pray together. All right, friends, I hope you heard something in today's message that made an impact in your life, helped you know that you're loved by God, and inspired you to do something about the gospel that is offered to you. Now receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.